the project. Kuwait. Learn. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the project. Meg was flustered. She doesn't know what to say in the intro. So I'm taking this one <laughs> over. Intro, uh, I'll give you the best intro right now. We talked about the online boutique that rips you off, counting okay. macros, measuring food with your hands, and fixing your head and find out why I hate vegans. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I would say what started all was the debate on calories in, calories out, and is it worth tracking them? So we'll just go through some of the surprising reasons why that's not so accurate and maybe what you can do instead. I think we ended it with like, fix what's in your head. And you can hear us talk about that a little bit. And yeah, so if you have any questions, DM us and we can pass them on to Dr. Dinka. (laughs) Sounds good. All this and more in today's episode. All right. Well, welcome to the project. And today we're going to get into some nutrition talk with calories in, calories out. But before that, Maddie was just catching me up on a bit of what's going on in Kuwait in the Insta-famous world. So let's chat about that a little bit. I want to hear more on how things are going with the influencers and what they're influencing these days. Obviously, they're influencing a bunch of bullshit. But before we start (laughs) on that, backstory to where our topic came from when we had that little discussion in the car on our way back from the Cape. Okay. All right. Remind me. So we were on our way. No, 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 no. On the calories and calories out. Before Ah, we get into that, yeah, yeah, before we get into that, I want the audience to know the backstory. So we had a good, I'd say half an hour, mini debate-ish argument, (laughs) you know, a civil debate. And then, you know, we rolled yeah. up, we rolled up to Boston. You're like, oh, the city's beautiful. And we forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, think it's I was like, well, look at the skyline. Shut up for a minute. <laughs> I know. I know. Which was true. Boston has a beautiful skyline. So that's where the topic came from. But the new trendy yeah. thing here in Kuwait is, and I won't say the name because of legal issues, but it's some online okay. boutique. And then yeah. I'm sure everyone's seen the billboards as they've been driving around the roads here. Like, dude, this shit's everywhere. Like everywhere. Like these guys have, they must have like a $500 million budget because they have all on the road to Marouge. It's like all those little billboards. It's all advertising for that online boutique. So, you know, out of curiosity, I was like, all right, well, let's check this shit out. Let's see if there's any legitimacy. There are some legit names on there. Like there are some cool names on there where I was like, all right, cool, you know. But then when I started looking at the prices and comparing it to like Amazon and everything else, I'm one of those guys where I'll go in. I went into El Ghanem and I was going to buy a headset. So I looked at it. I was like, yeah. all right, well, how much is it on Amazon? Let me calculate the shipping with it. So it was like, all right, it's cheaper for me to buy it here, obviously, right. versus get with the shipping. But then there are products where we buy here, you know, where we buy on Amazon and it's cheaper even with shipping. So yeah. I was looking at these prices. I'm like, dude, something's off here. So when I checked on Amazon, there was a good 10 KD difference on a couple of the products. And I'm like, what is each person selling? Are they each like responsible for a certain like department of something? Or they're just pushing the stuff that they enjoy? Or what's it's, the... it's basically the stuff that they enjoy and the stuff that they like. Mm-hmm. So they'll have their own page, I guess, and their products within this online boutique so people could but go in there. they're selling their products at like double the cost of what you could get it I wouldn't else. say double, but there's but obviously a margin. There's more. obviously a margin, you yeah. know, like especially like someone brought yeah. up shoes to me because they saw like shoes and they were like, oh, I went to the store and it was like 20 KD cheaper. And I'm like, are you shitting me? Like, what's the point? Oh my gosh. And I've heard from people that have worked with this business that they're making a killing. Like they're like shit's yeah. flying off the shelves. 
which I get because it's so trendy and, you know, the masses are kind of stupid when they see something like that, I would assume. I think there's just so much boredom and <laughs> maybe like just some other issues going on to where like people feel the need to jump on things like that to like where they're even paying attention to that. You know what I mean? Like I just, I don't know. I think there's bigger issues and bigger things that money could be spent on. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Look, if you have the disposable income, go ahead by all means, have fun yeah. with it and credit to some of these influencers. They're doing a great job. And in all honesty, the only one on there worth noting that I would buy something he was using would be Ahmed Eshkenani, the greatest yeah. bodybuilder Kuwait has ever turned out. I mean, you know, he's the goat yeah. of Kuwait. He's the greatest there ever will be in Kuwait, in my opinion. Right, right. And if he's like, oh, you know, I use this for recovery. That's what I'm interested in. You know, that's really right. what I'm interested in. He's someone who actually has a story and a personal experience that goes along with it. Whereas the rest, I don't know if it's just massive amounts of plastic surgery that make them look a certain way. And then they can push out the things that they trick people into thinking, get them to that point. I, I know, dude, I know. <laughs> that's the majority of it. And some of these guys like, all right, like all credit to them. Good for them. They found something that that was appealing to a lot of people. That's great. I'm happy. But to everybody else, dude, just freaking do some research in the price points when you're buying something. Like yeah. it's so easy online to buy, to scroll and hit add, 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 add. But shit, when you get that credit card bill at the end of the month, you're going to regret it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because you got to remember the rich people, the high end people, so to speak, they're not buying online. Yeah. Like they're, they're just not buying online. Right. It's the average Jane or Joe that's doing that. And it just it right. sucks because maybe some of them don't understand that there's an Amazon or maybe some of them don't know they could go to like NBA.com to buy that NBA jersey they see on on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. dude, it just sucks because it's the new hustle, in my opinion. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So that's my two well, cents. I just, yeah. And I just wonder what's going to happen to a lot of, I don't know, maybe this is something that they were looking ahead to having this boutique because with Instagram moving towards the no likes and followers being like published or public anymore, like what does that do for a lot of those influencers and their contracts and things that are based on those numbers? So I don't know, maybe this is part of a transition for them, giving them some income outside of just the Instagram. But I guess, I don't know the sustainability of it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, if you really look at it, something's going to pop up after Instagram. You know, something yeah, will come up yeah. after Instagram and it will turn Well, everyone's to... talking about TikTok. I haven't really looked a lot into it. Do you know anything about that one? TikTok? No, that's a game I play with DJ. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I've never heard of that. Apparently, TikTok is the new thing to get on and to start paying attention to and that it's going to replace what Facebook and Instagram. I don't know. I haven't researched enough. I've, I've been so shit at Instagram too. I haven't even posted since we went to Cape. <laughs> yeah, you haven't posted in a while, dude. I don't blame you. I post, I look, I post all the time because I have friends all over the world. And it's like right. some of them are genuinely yeah. interested in what I'm doing, right. my progress in yeah. CrossFit. And pictures yeah. of, you know, DJ. I mean, like DJ's like, right. like he's the man to my friends and my family. <laughs> you know, like yeah. family doesn't he give is. a shit about me. So it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok, well, the well, destination well. for mobile videos. Ooh, all right. This, yeah. We'll this, have to look into that a little bit more. Maybe we'll start playing with it. Maybe we'll get a, a project account on there or something. Yeah, no, I mean, this but, looks like it has legs. Yeah. Hey, as our social media expert, right? We need to task her with that. Yeah, yeah. She's the person we like gave it to. <laughs> it's like, here you go. <laughs> we don't know what the fuck we're doing, so you can have it. <laughs> no, I do. That's my goal this week, I think, is to 
to catch up on Instagram a little bit, start posting and be a little more active on there. Some cool stuff has been been happening. So. Yeah, I personally, I like your videos. All right. I yeah, do. I, I really do enjoy them. <laughs> I honestly enjoy your videos. Yeah. You know, like I enjoy yeah. looking at because, dude, it's different when you're here. You know what I mean? But when you're abroad, yeah. it keeps me up to date on what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like connected. Yeah, for sure. So that's what it's meant for. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Not yeah. upselling sneakers. <laughs> I know, dude. Like, seriously, I just don't freaking get it. Like, yeah. if you'd came to me 10 years ago and said, oh, there's going to be an online boutique store and we're going to, you know, mark up everything because so-and-so is wearing it. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and here it's like, oh, you want the kicker of it all, too. So some of these influencers, all right. Which, I mean, being... I love how the air quotes always go around that. Because, dude, (laughs) like, again, you know, you're in Kuwait. You're in a small pond, okay? Like, they're in a small pond. Go out of Kuwait. You're not even a fish in their ocean. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you're plankton, if that. (laughs) But... Brutal. I know. I'm, I'm such an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, you got me on a good night tonight. You're Kuwaiti, so you can get away with saying it. Eh, well, I'm not going to have a lot of friends after this, but who gives a shit? Anyways, back to what I was saying. They're making yeah. colognes and perfumes, right? Yeah. So they'll have the, I don't know, smell expert, whatever the hell it is, mix shit together, throw yeah. it online. And now all of a sudden they're selling it for 30 KD, 40 KD. So their profit margin went from 20% on whatever yeah. was on their page to now like, 85 to 90%. Wow. That's not even E-Day Toilet or whatever the fuck it's called. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. That's Arabian (laughs) Gulf sewage water. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It's so funny. I've seen people buying that stuff in bulk, like at the souk, like all the, yeah, fragrances and stuff to like get their their stuff in bulk. I wonder, source quality. (laughs) I don't know, dude. Chemical stress. Let's talk about that. I know, right? Right? Like, honestly, I feel good when I don't wear deodorant. I honestly feel Mm. better. I think it really Mm -hmm. does disrupt my estrogen receptors. You know what I mean? Like, something. Yeah, definitely. I've switched to the all natural ones for sure. Like, the other ones, yeah, there's definitely a level of chemical stress that's happening that messes with your hormones. And that's where a lot of your lymph glands are. And it's just a very sensitive sensitive area to be absorbing any kind of chemicals that yeah mess with your hormones that way dude i still can't yeah. eat chicken i stopped eating chicken for a while and i went back and i Did ate chicken i felt like shit like it's horrible oh my gosh that's crazy and that's crazy so now i'm limiting my portions like yeah. of, of chicken before i'd have like three chicken breasts i'd stir fry three chicken breasts yeah. and eat that now it's literally like one chicken breast and i'm trying to like see if I can get my body to become accustomed to it again or something like something drastically went wrong or something is wrong with the chicken we're eating in all honesty, like something. Right. I would say like, for me, it's just the sourcing of it. Like if I trusted just where they came from and I could look, you know, more to local farms and really like pick that out. But I just, yeah, it hasn't been good for me either. And that's why I don't, but I think sourcing in general, like it's just so mass produced and pumped full of chemicals that I don't know. It'd be interesting if a lot of people kind of played with that elimination, just cut it out for a little bit. And then try to reintroduce it and see what they notice. See what happens in it. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of doing things like that. Yeah. You are the gut health expert on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since we got on. Messed messed with mine own enough. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Well, since we hit on the food topic, let's revisit our mini little debate. I mean, I think I was on the lines of saying that calorie counting is something that should be introduced. 
And I think we should preface okay. all of this is if you have an eating disorder or any emotional connections towards food, like that's the first place you start. I, in my opinion, if you have an eating disorder, you got to start in your head before you start on the plate. So I want to mm-hmm. get that one out there. For so, sure. Well, I think that's just eating disorder or not. I mean, food is more than just being something that we need to survive more and more than like fuel. Like people often refer to it as food as fuel, but it's definitely more. So when you talk about the emotional connection to it or anything like that, like we all have that, like how we eat, where we eat, what we eat, what we don't eat, what's important to us. Those are all things that are like ingrained kind of culturally, society-wise, like wherever you are, food tells a big story about us. So the emotional connection for all of us, like we're all going to have that to food to a certain degree. And so I think recognizing what your food choices already kind of say about you or what your connection are to those things that makes it easier of going forward of, you know, where in health, like what am I ready to give up or what do I even need to give up or what's happening with my food choices? Like this is what's tricky about people with weight management and things is like, let's take sleep for instance, like that's not food related at all. But the less sleep that you get, that can make people more apt to craving carbs and the junk food and things like that. So therefore you have a couple of approaches. You can tell them like the junk food is bad for you. You can't have this and you can restrict, restrict, restrict. And you build that up in their head to where now they see that thing and they obsess about it because they know that they can't have it. Or you can start to work on the sleep issue. And it's like, let's try to get more sleep and see what that does for the cravings of this food that's not ideal. So there's just... You know, like food is just kind of funny that way where it's that may not always be like where the problem is the same thing of like pain in our body, like where the symptom is showing up, where the pain shows up may not necessarily be the source of it. And there's a lot of ways to work around it. And so I think that's just something important for people to understand, but important for coaches to understand too, of it's not as easy as just passing over a meal plan or telling someone to count calories. Like there are lifestyle and other bits and things that, that go into it. And that's the thing. There's so much that goes into... I mean, let's be realistic. Majority of people want to have that sexy beach bod, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the majority if we're talking about the masses. And what the masses don't understand is there's a lot more that goes into that, like you said. And especially when it comes to programming, training, what you're doing for your recovery, like you said. And I think sleep is one of the biggest factors. If I'm sleeping like Mm -hmm. shit, personally, if I sleep like crap, I'm just holding on to weight. And I'm holding on to bloat and I feel like shit right. for, you know, for days until I get that right. check. Right. But I mean, when you look at a bodybuilder and a lot of people kind of associate their bodies with bodybuilders, they don't understand how much hard work they go through in terms of getting their body a certain way to two or 3% body fat, which is not ideal in general for the human body. It's not a homeostasis place to be at, right? I mean, well, and that's something that's like, I mean, a paycheck is dependent on, <laughs> you know, the body and the performance and things. And for most of us, whether you want that body composition or not, that's not the case. Like your paycheck is not dependent yeah. on it. Therefore, you don't need to go to those extremes in order to get that. But I mean, it is goal-based. I mean, whatever your goals are, just what are you prepared to give up to get there? But the thing that's interesting about even looking at athletes and these body compositions that we think that we want to have, this comes from when I was doing my studies with precision nutrition, but they did a study of 70 athletes. I don't know if precision nutrition actually did it, but I learned it through their teachings, but they took a study of 70 athletes and over 210 days, they tracked all their meals and all the nutrients, everything they're getting. And a hundred percent of the athletes were deficient in at least three nutrients. And then they did the same thing with diet plans, like popular diet plans, like the low carb one, like paleo Atkins and of the participants, everybody was deficient in at least six nutrients. So 
there's these diet plans out there. You can look at these body compositions and think that that's what you want, but there's still a deficiency to some degree that's happening. And you don't know where that's showing up in other places. Those are things that you don't see when you look at the body composition or when you look at their performance and things like that, but we're all kind of deficient in these certain areas. And so I think focusing more on what that food means for you and how it fits into your lifestyle and how you can get a grip on your portions and you're making sure that you're getting all the vitamins and necessary things that you need. I think that's going to come through better coaching outside of following like these strict meal plans that are kind of like the one size fits all. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you, you can't look in general and I agree with you a hundred percent. I'm a sole believer in your body tells you what it needs. And if you're deficient in something, you're going to crave it. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're going to have a craving for meat, you know, like it's weird. Like I'll have a craving for meat or potatoes. The other day I was hungry and, you know, I was like, all right, let me cook up some potatoes. Dude, I mouthed like, I don't know, like a pound of potatoes, (laughs) you know, like, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, wow, I needed something. My body needed starch. I needed energy somehow for, you know, does that make any sense? Versus... yeah those cravings are going to tell you a lot. And a lot of that can come down to like the stress levels. So that could be something that was dependent. Like, again, we talked about the sleep. It could be hydration. It could be the way you move that day. The workout. Yeah. And that's what's the problem with a lot of these like strict plans. They just don't generally account for those kinds of things. But I think it's just important to like not get wrapped. I think the point I was trying to drive with like the athlete studies and some of those health studies for diets is just that there's still a deficiency that needs to be addressed and following these strict plans or chasing the body composition aren't making you necessarily like health and aesthetics may not be the same thing. Yeah. If you look at some of the high profile athletes and I always use baseball players, like mm-hmm. some of these guys, they're in at about 16, 17% body fat, you know, or 14% yeah. body fat. Rarely are you going to see some of the pros come in at 9% body fat or 8%. And when they do, a lot of that is genetics. They're just genetic freaks anyways. Mm-hmm. And if people are like aspiring to get there, and this is where I come from, if you do want to lose weight, I only recommend tracking and like tracking mm-hmm. because it gives you an idea of how much you're over consuming. And right now, right now in our world, it's over consumption, I would say. Like, everything. Well, yeah, there's no rules of like where you can't eat. I think we've talked about this before. It's like it's acceptable everywhere, like in your office, in the car, in the store. <laughs> like, I mean, you can eat anywhere. Food is constantly around. You're constantly getting that signal that. It's okay. Speaking of eating in a store, all right, I'm going to give everybody yeah. a hack. Okay. This is a grocery store hack. All right. And I, I hope know. I don't get caught for this. <laughs> so if they have like hot wings, if you go to a grocery store and they have hot wings or whatever, and you put it inside like the whole tinfoil thing, and then you know you go and weigh it. So if yeah. you take it, you put it in your carriage and you're walking around and you're eating them. All right. It's definitely going to weigh less. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. I've done that shit so many times. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. I know, I know. But anyway, sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to take us off on a tangent. I just want to give everybody that hack. <laughs> you know? No, no, that's totally legit. But going through in the, I don't know, I guess with the tracking and things, why I steer away from that, because it can make people obsessive, you know, yes. with tracking the, the yeah. calories and, and, the number one problem here is with calories and you're relying on another resource to tell you what that content of that food item is or how many calories are in it. You have to assume that those resources are correct, but it has been proven in studies. And again, this comes through the precision nutrition trainings that up to 25%, there's up to a 25% error on those due to like incorrect labeling 
lab measurement errors, food quality, like all those things can take into account. So that's for calories in on the calories inside, you're up to a 25% error of what you're even getting anyway. When it comes to calories out, there's another 25% error because of maybe the equipment that you're using. Again, lab measurement errors and then individual errors of our own. So it's just not a, a reliable source, I guess, of exact. There does need to be a deficit if we're talking like weight management. Yeah. But I think it's something that gets people a little neurotic about tracking it when it's not even accurate in the first place. No, and I, I could agree with that. I mean, you know me, my training is CrossFit. You know, I train my ass off like two hours a day. There is no way I could survive on a 2,500 calorie diet. Like that's just not happening. And when I did track, I was surprised at how much of a surplus I was at. And I didn't care though, because again, I'm eating for a different, you know, I'm not eating for the six pack. I don't even really care, but it's still, I wasn't shocked. I was just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Cause I thought I was eating around 3000. Turned out I was like eating like 4000. And this was me tracking over a week. So that's a lot of food. But you know, when I'm getting in 14, 15,000 steps a day, plus two and a half hours of exercise, weightlifting, all of that coupled in like, yeah, my body's craving it. And I agree with you totally. I think you fix the first half of the problem by fixing your sleep, your head, all that stuff. And then when you get into looking at what you're consuming, I always tell people just don't eat it if it's out of a box or a package. And that for me worked three or four years ago. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because when you don't eat processed foods, right, that are hyper palatable, I think we can agree on that. Processed foods want to make you eat more. And that's been proven in numerous studies. They're designed to taste good and so you can eat a bunch of it. Yeah. It's just like when you walk by a KFC, it smells Mm -hmm. so damn good. You want to go in there and eat it. They designed that smell. it, It wasn't an accident. And it's just like processed food. It's hyper palatable. So you put one potato chip in your mouth, even if it's a reduced fat, that doesn't mean shit because you're still getting all that crap in there. You're going to mouth the whole bag. You're going to want more of it because of the dopamine release and everything that comes with it. But if you switch and you go to eating like not a paleo, but you go to eating just non-processed foods, just try to have as vegetables, meat, whatever. You know what I mean? Like you kind of get sick of it because it doesn't have that heightened sense of taste. Does that make any sense? I think if you're used to eating processed shit, <laughs> it's not gonna give well, you majority, taste. Well, majority majority of people eat processed shit. Like, dude, my mother right. just my mother just dropped thirty pounds. And oh, really? Yeah, she just dropped thirty pounds. And you know what she did? She stopped, stopped eating junk eating food. Processed. Yeah, she just yeah. stopped eating. She just stopped yeah. eating processed food because yeah. that's the shit. We don't know what's in there. You know, what I mean? like you, right. you really don't know what's in there. But, exactly. And I think real food can taste just as good if you, you know, kind of retrain your palate to get off of the, <laughs> get off the crack of <laughs> processed food. But those are a lot of like buzzwords that you kind of hear of, you know, like just eat whole foods. If you can't grow it, pick it, hunt it, whatever, don't eat it, which is there's like truth in that. But I think it's just hard for people. If we're talking like some serious like weight management issues, I think it's just hard for people to kind of grasp what that even means. And I think in their head, all they think is restriction, restriction, restriction. I can't have the things that I enjoy. I can't have the things that my family is going to eat. I can't have like, think about gatherings, you know, and especially like in Kuwait, how social things are. And you think of all these, we talk about food being a story and a part of people's lives and they go in and you have mosh boost and all these, you know, delicious meals that are fairly heavy. But if you tell someone that they can't enjoy that or can't have that, I mean, I think that's just setting them up to kind of go through the diet cycle and spiral to where maybe they sustain it for a little bit. And then after a while, they just give up because it's too hard. They're being, you know, taunted by family and friends. They're 
you know, just not able to enjoy it. They're having to pull out measuring cups and scales, you know, at every meal, which is just pretty dull in itself. And like, who wants to live that way? And I've done it. And I think the benefit to me, like counting calories and counting macros before is that I think looking at a plate, I get a little bit better idea of kind of what I'm consuming. But the more I've gotten away from that, and the more I've just relied on, I mean, like my hand is my measurement tool that I use. And I'll kind of go through that a little bit later of how you can use that. But I think the more I've just relied on that and other habits of eating slowly and drinking enough water and getting enough sleep, I find where a lot of those cravings and habits are already kind of sorted out to where calorie counting just never fix that. It'll just kind of spiral you into an obsessive compulsive mode and then you get tired of it because it doesn't fit in with your lifestyle. So then you give up and then you look for the next thing or you go back and you try it again. And and I think that's where the majority of people are. So even telling somebody like no sugar, you know, that can get confusing for someone who's not as comfortable with food as maybe, you know, you and I are now where it's like they look at things like, you know, honey, and there can be a lot of benefits to having honey. But now they're thinking like, well, I can't have sugar. So I can't even have that. I can't have, you know, like, you know, sugar grows, you know, sugar cane, you know, and so they're looking at they're like, well, what's wrong with sugar if it grows? And that's something that's in the if you can't grow it, pick it, hunt it. It's in that category. Why can't I have it? Like it gets very, very confusing for people for a lot of those kind of like just blanket guidelines of how to approach nutrition. So I think, yeah, the hand is the best tool that I can guarantee to where you're going to get the nutrients that you need as far as like protein, carb, and fat. And it's not going to make you as obsessive with counting things and having to track things. Yeah. No, I mean, do you do the whole like if the whole the size of your palm is what your protein should be and like... Yeah. So the general rule is like, yeah, protein is a palm size and that's talking like thickness and, you know, the whole like size of the palm. So for through precision nutrition, we usually start with two palm size for men and one palm size for women. And then you just kind of go from there. And the eating slowly habit is what kind of helps you to determine if you go up or down from that. Like you start to learn from your body. Because like I would say every plan that I had been on before going this route, it always gave me recommended protein amounts of what I needed. And once I started eating this way, using the hand as a measurement and eating slowly and kind of working with a lot of those other habits, I started to find that like the protein amount that I required was nothing at all close to what all these other plans were throwing at me that were like a blanket number of, of a macro or a calorie count to have in. And I found that I was performing better. I was feeling better. Strength and everything went up and I wasn't following a specific guideline for each meal other than my hand. So palm size for the protein, a fist size for vegetables, a cupped hand for carbs, and then thumb size for fat. And if you can start with your plate there, and again, like going the eating slowly kind of route, you take like 20 minutes to eat your meal, you'll find what you're really hungry for after that. And that's where those cravings come into place. Like you said, you had that craving for potatoes the other day. Like once you finish that portion size of everything, you give yourself the time to eat it, the body to digest it. You can start to understand like, what do I want more of? Maybe I am craving a little bit more of the protein. Maybe I'm craving more of the carbohydrate. Maybe I need a little bit more fat. And sometimes you're, you know, sleep and activity the next day. So I think that's where like tracking, like maybe a food diary of how things make you feel like right after it or the next day. Like those are things I'm a fan of tracking. But as far as like the calorie intake of it, like, like I said, it's just not accurate. Like for example, an apple, you know, like there's some sources that count an apple at 83 calories and some there's some that count 40. it at 116. Yeah. yeah. So the average is like 93. So you can go with the average number of things, but you know, and then again, these are food in their raw form where you're going to get a number. And then you can get another error for things being cooked, you know, and food companies, they can use up to five different methods to estimate the calories. So the FDA like already permits 
an error of up to 20% on that. So like anything with a food label, like you can't necessarily trust what's going to be in that either. You know, and there's also some studies and things that show, you know, of how we absorb calories. You don't necessarily absorb all the calories that you consume either. Some of it passes through us kind of undigested and that varies from food to food. And again, person to person and your genetics and habits and all those things that go along with that. So, I mean, that's just another reason why the calorie number is, I don't think, one that you can trust in following. Foods that are, you know, more rich in fiber, the calorie content of what you absorb from that is different. You absorb about 17% more calories from some of those fiber-rich foods, anywhere from like 17 to like 30%, I think. I believe that. And then cooking yeah. it, like I said. There can be, you know, cooking it. Like if you look at a piece of steak, I mean, they're telling you it's probably <coughs> 196 calories. Well, that's in its raw form. And once you cook it, you're looking more at like 240 calories, you know, an egg, 50 calories. And once you boil it or, you know, once cook you it or whatever, it, you're looking once, at more yeah. 75 calories. Yeah. And everything else. So it's just, there's a lot of things in there that just aren't accounted for that's a big problem. And that's just talking calories in. That's not even talking, you know, calories out. And yeah. then if we're talking eyeballing things too, like, I mean, I don't know, a tablespoon of peanut butter, like if you try to eyeball that and then you <laughs> dude, actually measure dude, out what a tablespoon of peanut butter <laughs> there's is, no way that's you're already happening. double, you know, yeah, there's and it's no like, way. it's not the same. It's not the same. Like I made a meal last night, we did burrito bowls and like black beans. And I was just looking at the labels and kind of thinking there. And it's like, if I even added an extra half a cup of, you know, black beans or something to it. Like I'm already close to like 200 calories more right there. And half a cup of black beans, like isn't a whole lot, you know? So it's just, it's really easy to confuse what those numbers. So I think, and all it's like, it all kind of, all those little errors of what you can have, you know, whether it's cooked, where it comes from, the labels and all that kind of stuff. I think in total, that's what accounts for that 25% inaccuracy of what's going in. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it depends in my opinion, what you're after Mm -hmm. and Calorie counting is indicative of how much you're over-consuming, at least from my perspective. That's what it gives me. But now I've gotten to the point, and I hate using this term now because it's been bastardized and it's just used by everyone. Intuitive eating, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. Like everyone's saying, oh, I eat intuitively. Well, do you really know? Like you said, having a food diary and knowing how foods make you feel after you eat Mm -hmm. them. Like I know... 100% right now, gluten and me do not mix. Like I eat gluten, I'm constipated for two days. I feel like shit. I feel sluggish. I'm bloated as hell. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I keep reinforcing, like, I'm like, let me just try a piece of pizza again. You know, like, let me just try this damn piece of pizza. Same story every time. Same goddamn story. Whereas if I have gluten-free something and I limit my gluten, like there are a couple of restaurants here I can't eat at because there's something they're using in their food that just right. doesn't agree with my, it's either gluten or maybe a high sodium or something that's just not agreeing with my body. And then they're relatively well, clean. When you're not preparing it and you don't know exactly what goes into it too. I mean, that's a whole nother thing, but that's hard with like allergies like that is there's responses like that where you may feel it right away, you know, after eating something like dairy is a big one where usually the response is a little bit more immediate of an intolerance with that, but like something like gluten or many other foods, it it can be a delayed reaction. It can be headaches, you know, like the next day can, you know, or that poor sleep that night that lead into some things. So it's it's really hard for people to kind of draw those connections. And the way to do that, I think is eliminating, like you kind of mentioned what you did with chicken and then reintroducing and seeing, but you have to be careful not to be doing like too many things at once so that you can actually pinpoint what the... What the root cause is. What the source was. Yeah. And that's, that's how I pinned it down with the whole gluten thing. I was like, it was a study that I read about gluten and like 
bloating or something. It was a long time ago. It was when I first started to like, when I first got back into the gym and, you know, I was losing weight and, you know, really reading up on everything. And I eliminated it for like two or three weeks. And I was like, holy shit, I feel so much better. You know, I was eating gluten-free right. pasta, all this crap. And I was like, wow, you know, like, all right, something's clicking here. Look, there are times I refuse to believe that me and gluten don't mix. I fucking love pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I love pizza. Yeah. I love pasta. And I love the real kind of pasta. But hey, like, that's the card I'm drawn. So now I just limit my portions. And it was yeah. something that you and Lulua, the functional nutritionist, brought up about how it builds up. The toxicity levels will build up in our body over time. So even if we are yeah. having small portions of it, that toxicity level will build up and then I'll have that flare up, so to speak. Right. Right. And the flare up's not fun, dude. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's the same thing with like when I talk about with the arthritis you know, that I had in with the sugar consumption. Like if I have a day of eating a lot of sugar, like, you know, I may not feel it like right exactly in that moment after eating the sugar, but it, again, it's that toxicity that builds up, you know, maybe over the course of a couple of days or a week or a weekend of, you know, out binging. And then I definitely feel it after that. So that's absolutely on. You got to consistency is the biggest key yeah. to it all. <laughs> I honestly, I, I stand a hundred percent. If anyone's going to take anything away from this episode, keep a food journal of how it makes you feel after you eat it. That is such yeah. a good point you brought up, Meg, because yeah. that's the best way to find out how something is going, like how it's yeah. working in your body. And yeah. if you have an, a disorder with food, with like you said earlier, like counting the shit out of your macros, sitting there with scales and stuff, like, dude, believe it or not, that's a disorder. You should see... That's disorder eating for sure. And yeah. that's something that's just not enjoyable. And that's a cycle that I was in a long time. I mean, I can remember for years, it was always like friends inviting me out or to do something. And it's like, oh, well, what, what can you have now? Or what diet are you on now? Like that was always just kind of the... You know, and it kind of became like a little joke and stuff after a while, but it doesn't feel good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. at that point where you're like, God, people don't even enjoy like going out to eat with me because I'm so restricted in some way or I'm gonna, you know, like obsess about this or that or it really sucks the fun out of that food being social. And, and again, like going out with people like you, that's one of the things that you just kind of have to weigh, like going out and having this meal and maybe indulging a little bit in the family tradition, you know, with yeah. the heavy food or whatever, like you're eating another connection there. It's not just about the aesthetics and the diet. So I think it's just, it's made social life a lot better. It's made <laughs> everything a lot better when you can get away from having to track those. Yeah. Pulling out a scale and pulling out measuring cups is definitely a disordered eating pattern. And that's one of the things we talked about earlier too, is just like eating disorders and thinking that like, you know, it used to just be identified as anorexia and bulimia and it goes way beyond that. There's a lot of, a lot of ways with diet culture being as big as it is now, there's a lot of forms and ways that- <laughs> If you're in the fitness industry, out. you've got a fucking eating disorder, All right. Probably. If, if someone's in the Probably. fitness industry, if you're a bodybuilder, a crossfitter, power right. lifter, a strong man, all the above from that side of sports- you've probably yeah. got some type of disordered eating going on because you're probably counting and macros and I'll say and it's like that athletics that shit. probably spiraled me into that because in swimming, I mean, in college, especially it's like you're training 30 hours a week. I really didn't pay attention to what I was eating, but we were just moving and training so much. Like I wonder what my performance could have been like had I ate better food. <laughs> yeah, dude, look at Tom, look at Tom <laughs> but, Brady. You know, going from, look, look, look at yeah, Tom Brady. Going, like he's the one proponent. He doesn't eat so many vegetables. Like he won't have nightshades. He won't have this. And it's all for performance. But the guy's getting paid like $40 million a year. So exactly. Right. Yeah. And I, at that time, you know, it's like I had scholarship money coming in. So a little bit of a paycheck dependent on <laughs> so like, again, I'm like, damn it. If I really knew what I was doing nutrition wise, I wouldn't have had so much beer and pizza. <laughs> 
Yeah. But transitioning from that lifestyle going into like, you know, then I graduated and I went into a hospital setting and like an office kind of job. I mean, I still had a kind of an active job, but it's not 30 hours a week of weight training and swimming and, (laughs) you know, dry land stuff. And it was really hard to pinpoint, you know, the habits of like, why am I gaining weight when I still work out? I still lift weights. You know, like I understand that I'm not moving as much as before, but the food part was a really hard thing to grip. And that's what just spiraled into like 10 years of back and forth on diets and trying to figure out what worked, you know, first. And when I got into CrossFit at first, it was zone and then it was paleo and then it was paleo zone. And then it was, you know, keto and all these things that come about. And it's just, it's insane. It's, we need to just focus more on some of the other habits that kind of spark a lot of the nutrition cravings. Yeah, And that a lot of times comes down to like who you're surrounded by a lot of the social setting. You know, we talked about this before when we had the diabetes expert on of, you know, diabetes and obesity being, you know, somewhat of a social disease. And you look around and kind of everyone around you is in the same boat. I know, <laughs> you know right? Kind of looks the same. It's like, that's where community I think is so important as far as fitness goes and, you know, going to the gym. And that's one of the benefits of getting out of the house to do some fitness or, you know, joining a group class every once in a while. I think there's some things that are really beneficial to that as far as nutrition goes. And look, for all those of you out there who like listen to this and you're still like, oh, I still want to do a diet or whatever. If you go vegan, please don't turn into one of those quacks. All right. Vegan people, go ahead and hate (laughs) me. Okay. Look, our ancestors did not walk around just eating leaves. Human evolution would have been impossible if we just survived on leaves, right? And freaking KFC coming out with <laughs> vegan goddamn chicken. Are you shitting me? Like, what the hell is good? Did you oh, see that? And Burger King coming out with that. a vegan, a meatless burger. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna shame anybody. If that's what. The, just, yeah, I I'm think not it's shaming. Funny. I'm not shaming. I'm just saying. No, no, no. Like, I get it. I get it. I think that meat has definitely been demonized in a lot of ways, especially when it talks about like there's. I think it's sustainable dish might be the name. We'll have to tag it in the show notes. But she's got a huge campaign going on right now about like, yeah, sustainable dish. Why people are turning against meat, you know, all these claims against like cattle are, you know, <laughs> that's a joke. producing all this methane. That's and, a joke. You know, no, that's seriously, a like joke. cattle are producing all the methane no, they and stuff are, like that. But... So that's why people don't want to eat. They think it's they think it's more green and friendly to not eat meat, but she's just busting every myth along with that. And she does a really great job of it that meat's not the problem with that. But if somebody like, you know, again, going back to the food story, and if that's something that they choose not to eat for religious reasons, whatever these reasons are, like I'm never going to shame it, but I think you can still get a good protein amount in. You have to be a little bit more creative. I think it takes a little bit more work, but I think there's a lot of skewed reasons of why people kind of get into it or think that they can't. And I think there's other food habits that probably need to be addressed. You know, people are like, meat triggers me to do all these other like bad habits. And I was like, I don't think that's necessarily the meat maybe that's making that happen as much (laughs) as maybe some of the other aspects of stress and life. But that's something that's on an individual base. Like Ian and Lula says this all the time too. Always, the answer is always, it depends. And it really and to does. Eat, look, to each, to, each their, to each their own, but don't get mad at me if I'm cutting into a steak, dude. I like my steak. Oh yeah. No, you, yeah. Like, the, and it goes both ways. You shouldn't be shamed for eating. Yeah. And it's, like, it's yeah. like, if you're going to yeah. come and say, oh, all the cows and methane or whatever. All right. What about the assholes? <laughs> like we live in the most polluted country in the world. Okay. Right. So right. it's like, if you have that's, something that's plastic, <laughs> if you have, I know, I know, dude. And if you have something plastic in your house, you are not sustaining the environment. You know what I mean? Like, don't throw rocks if you live in a glass house. And that's just the point that I'm getting at. If you are a vegan or a vegetarian for religious reasons or for ethical reasons or whatever, that's fine. 
But I'm just getting, it's overly done like with everything. A guy will say, I'm just going to become vegan so I can lose weight. And that's like, dude, no. In fact, you'll probably gain more weight becoming a vegan. Because there's a lot of vegan shit out there that's processed mm-hmm. to hell, packs a big punch, and you don't know what's in there. Like, let's face it. Are you really going to eat something that is meatless but tastes like meat? <laughs> right. Well, and I think that's the key right there is when you're looking at these options that they're coming out with now, these like laboratory things that are the meatless option. But again, in order to get that consistency, to get that flavor, to get, you know, everything that you want out of it, it's again, it's designed in a lab. It's designed to taste good. It's designed to eat. So you what can eat a lot of it. What chemicals have gone in there? And what chemicals and things have gone in there, right? Exactly. Fewer ingredients is always better. But just touching on that, we've talked a lot about calories in and just to touch on the calories out part of it, like Fitbits and all those little devices, the fuel bands, whatever little device you wear to track things. I'd just say account for generally at least like I would say on the low end is probably a 10% error on that. Really? I was going to say, I was going to say like 25, 30, if not 40%. A lot of them I was going to say, yeah, a lot of them across the board. I think it's like a 25 to 30% error. It's it's a tool. That's just another thing to think about. Like, you know, when you track calories in and calories out, like, yes, there has to be a deficit, but I think the best way to account for a deficit is again, using the, the hand measurements, slow eating, some of those habits to go along with it. And then make sure that you are moving. Make sure it's something that you enjoy. That's, you know, number one. (laughs) Again, going back to that mindfulness thing, you know, if you're beating yourself into a workout that you hate, that's definitely going to show up in some food habits, you know, afterwards, you're probably going to take that stress out on, you know, a meal. And then that becomes an excuse. Well, I just did this stuff that I hate. So I'm going to eat all this. So I think just keep into account calories in, calories out isn't as simple as the numbers that they throw at you. Yeah. And don't say this is my wad meal. All right. Like I'm so fucking sick of hearing people say, oh yeah, I had a strong wad. I can go eat whatever. No, dude. Like that's an eating disorder right there. (laughs) Like that's disordered eating at its best that I'm going to go crush myself in a workout so I can go Mao McDonald's. Like, no. Right. It doesn't work. The whole idea around like a cheat meal or around, you know, yeah, a method like that is, I think just, again, it's a disordered eating (laughs) pattern. Yeah. I mean, I like what you said about having the tracker for movement and to track Mm -hmm. your movement throughout the day, because I think like you can still eat 3000 calories or you can still eat a small portion of food. Mm And not burn anything throughout the day if you sit behind a desk for eight, nine, ten hours. You know, like you're not moving. So you're not going to, your body doesn't need to expend any energy. So I think that's a great point that you brought that up. And I always try and like average out 8,000 steps a day. And I think the average person Mm -hmm. four steps is a good benchmark to start out with and slowly. Oh, for sure. I would say eight to 10 on the low end, for sure. I would say eight to 10 for like guys like me. But if you're mm-hmm. just starting out, I'd say start at 4,000. Don't set like, okay. I, I agree with what you said earlier. Yeah. Don't set the yeah. goal too high that you can't achieve it. Set small goals mm-hmm. and throughout it, just have build small consistency wins. With yeah. it, you yeah. know, do four for two weeks. And if that's easy, then build up from there. But I'd say give yourself two weeks to kind of settle into a habit like that before trying to progress on. And you're going to find that those small little actions piled up, just like we talked about the toxicity of, let's say, gluten in your system or sugar in your system after a while. Again, that let's say the toxicity level of those healthy habits piling up piling or going to a big change in a positive way that you want versus going a drastic route and having to reverse it a few months later. I mean, you can run on a restrictive diet for a few months. Sure. I mean, you can do... I mean, it's cut carbs, sugar, dairy, eat more protein, healthy fats, not a lot of fruit, drink more water, train two times a day. I mean... Anybody could run with that for 
a little bit of time, but that's someone starting off, that's not going to be sustainable in the long term. And oftentimes that's kind of the blanket approach that gets thrown at people. (laughs) Well, you still got to fix your head. I mean, I still think you need to fix whatever is causing you to either overeat or not move or whatever is you got to fix that. That's the bigger piece of the puzzle, that and the sleep and everything else. I think it would be cool to do maybe on another episode or if we go through a little exercise that's called, it's called personal legacy is what I learned it as. It's really interesting and it goes through a lot of those, that mindfulness or or that mindset kind of part of it of what's related to food and your food story. So it's like some good kind of meditation questions that we could kind of run through to give people a better idea of maybe where some of those habits and things come from and the best way to kind of get their mindset wrapped around making a change. Again, why... Small changes doesn't have to be everything within the lifestyle. Again, why I need another jock on the show with me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I got to give you shit. I got to give you shit. Okay, me and Hey, I will do that episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so just kick me right out of it. Don't have the devil's advocate <laughs> in there. All right. We'll definitely keep you in, but we'll probably haze you. <laughs> well, hey, I might have a new guest host coming on the show. So Yeah, who's that? I can't tell you. It's a secret. Oh, okay. It's a surprise. <laughs> it's a surprise. We're going to have a show probably launch in a few weeks with him on there, and we'll see how it goes. Okay. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well, let's end this episode so you can tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, if you want to find out who it is, DM me or Meg and you'll find out. <laughs> I think that's a Sounds good one. Good. Yeah, we'll keep it a secret. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed right, the episode. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at the Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.